Welcome to Slow and Steady, a podcast where you get to follow along as we figure out how to build and run a SaaS. I'm Brian. And I'm Benedict. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we work on our products and keep the lights on by becoming full-time podcasters. Today is July 28th, and I'm getting cooked. This is episode number 51, and I am still feeling encouraged. So it looks it looks pretty hot in your uh in your house over there are you just like yeah the sun is shining (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i'm getting direct sunlight through the window but if i turn on the blinds like it's not as bad but then it's super dark in here and you can't see me well we have the cameras off today so that's true you could maybe (laughs) give yourself a few a few degrees there um yeah how's uh How's your how's your week been? How you doing? Yeah, overall pretty good. Um, weather is nice. That's always good. Um, had a nice relaxing weekend. But last week was well, was a tough week in terms of we got a lot of stuff done and worked a lot. And uh, yeah, Friday Friday afternoon we launched a new website. Um, Congrats! So it's yes. Thanks. It's it's done. It's up and running. It's super okay. fast. It's super super nice and clean. <laughs> so we're happy to to finally have it out there. Nice. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. Um, got back from our backpacking trip uh, late on Wednesday. Um, got a little bit of work done Wednesday evening, Thursday and Friday. Um, yeah, feeling feeling quite good. Uh, it was a great, it was a really good getaway. I'll throw some, I'll put some pictures up on in the show notes. I'll put together a little photo album or something. Um, it was a, it was a really good, yeah, it was a really good week. And so, I've got, I feel like I've got plenty that I could work on. I'm trying to think through exactly what to focus on what to focus on next. Um, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. where I'm, that's where I'm at right now. All good. I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I listened to, um, Natalie Nagel and DHH on, uh, on Indie Hackers. Have you listened to that one yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I haven't. Okay. It is, very very good um i what are they talking I, about well they're talking about the early you know work uh work-life balance in the early days of starting a company um mm. and i i mean it's not too often that i would say i feel like somebody out debates dhh but in this instance i think that natalie definitely did does um I, just, I think first, okay, first of all, it's, it's worth just, a just by that. Fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it is. It's fantastic. It's really good. I, I just think all in all, she presents a more like nuanced and realistic argument um, for what this is like. So, uh, could also be confirmation bias that she says more things that I agree with, and that's why I think she that she out debated DHH. But, um, <laughs> uh. Any, anyway, yeah, that's that's worth the listen. So cue cue that one up. Now the other one. Do you have uh, any? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Good. Do you have any any takeaways from that episode? Um, 
Yeah. Okay. Is that, uh, you know, DHH is characteristically, um, you know, extremist and opinionated and, um, et cetera. I think that the thing that, that he was saying that, that I want to be very, be as honest with myself as possible is he, he kept saying, look, I, I know that people will want to put in a bunch of time. What I'm saying is that much of that time in the end won't actually matter. And that you can, if you can focus on just a few things and keep your hours and your, um, keep your hours down over time, those things that you didn't spend, you know, the extra several hours working on are just ultimately not going to matter. Um, there's some nuance in there and there's, there's elements of that that I disagree with. Um, because fundamentally you're like, look, there are 50 things I can do. I'm not sure which of these are going to work. I have to put in the time to do at least 40 of them. And then I've, you know, increased my luck surface area and I'm more likely to see which of those turn out. Okay. All true. I, but I also think that if I am honest with myself and look at, you know, the way that I spend, uh, a week, there's definitely some stuff in there that I could have just removed and therefore spent a little bit less time working on my business and a little bit more time, you know, relaxing and recharging or reading or something. So that's, that's my big takeaway from, from DHH's argument. Natalie overall, I think it's just realistic about like, yeah, it takes a lot of energy and effort early on, but just be sure that, what that that you are saying this is not sustainable this is not the plan you know the the goal is to get to you know some sort of sense of balance um clarity calm and so if you're putting in the hours don't brag about it uh it's not it's nothing to be proud of it's something to get out of so but but then it's like you know an hour and fifteen minutes of them you know going round and round back and forth with each other on on those particular points. It's it's freaking awesome. It's like a couple of heavyweights, you know, just going at each other. It's great. <laughs> I definitely check it out. It sounds like it's exactly what I'd need to to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really good. The uh, I hate to keep hogging the mic here, but the the other one I, I would love to want to talk to you about this one. The other one that I listened to um, that I've just not really stopped thinking about is um, late May Rob, what Rob Walling was on Indie Hackers. And they had this, uh, they had this bit segment where they're talking about pricing. And um, I, I think I rewound it like three or four times just to listen to it again and again. But because... Um, you know, I, I know, and I wonder where you're at on this. I know that my pricing is currently wrong. Um, just, I mean, for the, in the sense that it's the first attempt. So therefore, surely it's wrong. <laughs> um, and so what, what do I need to be thinking about? What other models do I want to experiment and tinker around with? Rob and Cortland were just talking so much about expansion revenue and how critical and 
um, well, actually, just how, how useful of a lever expansion revenue is. And if you can uh, anchor it to a value metric that grows organically over time, and as your customers get more value out of the product, then they're happy to you know upgrade their pricing tier. Um, then that's just this this incredible growth lever that you can that you can unlock. So my question right now is, okay, well, so what is what is my what is Headlamp's value metric? The number of teams a manager can have, the number of team members per team that they can have. So just thinking through all of that. Where so, something that he I'll hand it over to you because something that he said on the podcast was, you know, they were doing their uh, you know, cohort two call. And he said, you know, how many people think that you, um, you know, think that you have your value metric and your pricing uh, correct, have it right. It was like, you know, maybe one or two people raised their hand. So um, I'm curious, were were you one one of the people to raise your hand? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't think so, no. Um, And we actually, in that very call, we talked about, we talked about our pricing uh, and it was kind of. I think the, the 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 conclusion was is it's not perfect, but nobody has a better idea like on what to do instead okay. right now. For so for user lists specifically, yeah. Okay, and yeah, nobody meaning okay, and nobody meaning you or Jane, or nobody meaning hey, anybody in the cohort, can you throw some ideas at us? Uh, I think nobody in the cohort had really a. Okay. okay. Good alternative. Like there's this fundamental flaw in there. Um, that one customer, like like we, we charge based on users and an amount of users you store inside of user yes. lists. Yes. But depending on the business you're running and your business mm-hmm. model, the value of one of those customers, of yeah. one of those users is vastly different. Totally. And that makes it super hard to, uh, yeah, come up yes. with a fair price per user or per batch of users. Yeah, because which like is one, totally... Like you could be a... F- you could be a freemium business and like have a million users in there, but they all not paying you something. So mm-hmm. they're kind of the value per user is, is relatively low or the, the revenue per user is relatively low. And yeah. then you could have like a super focused, highly specialized, super expensive enterprise tool with like maybe 20, 20 customers. And each of those customers pay, yeah. pays the company like 10,000 dollars a month or something like that right and that's highly that like the 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 revenue per per user is super high in there and that makes it hard for us to pick a good price point that kind of works for both Um, yeah so yeah yeah. which yeah that's what we're struggling with right now (laughs) yeah completely different than you know an esp or transistor which you know their value metric is downloads and like roughly you know, measuring downloads or roughly measuring the number of contacts that you can email. That's, that's pretty, that's kind of okay. Um, I think yeah, that's, it's the same man. problem with, um, with email providers and maybe even with, with a company like Transistor, because like, just because your podcast is super popular doesn't necessarily mean you, you get a lot of money. That you're out making of it. any money from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and same with like email email providers. Just because you have a big list doesn't mean like you can sell them something. Well, maybe maybe then that's that's at least a little bit of evidence that 
over time and at a large enough scale that, you know, that curve kind of evens out and it's all good. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. that's always, yeah. <laughs> there's always both extremes. Like some, for some, it's like, uh, yeah, one extreme where one customer isn't worth a thing and then the other uh -huh. extreme is, uh, one customer's worth a lot and yeah, we're definitely undercharging people on that front and uh, overcharging the one on the, on the other side. So mm -hmm. it, the hope is that on average it, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like we haven't been able to figure out a different metric that made, made any sense because like, I mean, we could charge on messages sent or something like that, but that kind of restricts mm. you. Like we don't want to put restrictions on things that make you successful by doing them. Yeah. Yes. Because like we don't want to put a roadblock in there. Like everything, every time you send a send a broadcast, you're first thinking, hmm, how much will this cost? How me much this is this costing? And then yep. maybe not do it because you feel like it's it's not worth it or you don't want to pay this right now or whatever. Right. So yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's Interesting. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, I'm, um, yeah, so I'm really thinking through how to, uh, how to add some pricing tiers. Um, you know, everybody, uh, not everybody, but these other competitors, Tiny Pulse, Office Vibe, Lattice HQ, 15.5, just a whole bunch of, you know, good lists that I could throw out. They all do per seat pricing. Um, and right now, like for, for any employee, and I am charging per manager. Um, and all mm -hmm. of those those companies I just mentioned, they, they kind of go in the three dollars to nine dollars per seat zone obviously i want to try to build something and position myself closer to the nine dollars per seat um that's a different conversation sort of um but the point is that they all charge per seat and i'm not doing that at all um and so i'm wondering i don't know i, I think i'm just sort of wondering again about experiment how i how i could experiment with that uh with that pricing model we talked about it a couple of weeks ago because my my theory was actually by doing 49 dollars per manager that i'm actually getting more per seat anyway on average mm -hmm. um but it doesn't lend itself i think as naturally to expansion revenue if somebody wants to just test it out at oh sure you know eight bucks per seat. That's only $16 per month for me and one person on my team to try it out. And then, oh, okay, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Let's, let's bring in the other six folks. Um, there's just a, a piece of it that makes me wonder if I lower the barrier to entry um, and, you know, make, make it a little bit easier to acquire customers who become, you know, higher, uh, higher revenue generators over time. So that's what, I mean, yeah, no, no answers or anything like that. I'm just sharing kind of what's going on in my head. So if anybody has any <laughs> strong opinions or thoughts, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and, and tell and let me know what you think. But so that's, that's what's going on.
Yeah. Talking about pricing, um, we reviewed our um, starter plan experiment yesterday. Um, okay. Yeah. And we the actually decided to remove this. Okay. Yeah, the, the $9 plan. And we actually decided to remove it from the pricing grid. Like it's still, okay. it's still a thing, but it's only mentioned in the FAQ and we only move people to that plan when they, when they ask for it, basically. So the default plan, like basically rolled back the experiment uh, okay. in a way, like we didn't remove it entirely because I still feel, or we still feel that it's a good, like the spirit is good and the idea is good. And it's nice to support like people who are, who are starting out. But like we looked at the numbers in terms of did we get more trials? Did we get more conversions? And that number didn't really change that much, at least not as much as we'd hoped. And uh, now we figured like by removing the plan again or at least hiding it a little bit, we can at least um, like the, the assumption is that we still get the same amount of signups because that's roughly what we got before the new new plan, but mm-hmm. on average get more revenue per per user from that. Mm-hmm. so it's well experiment step two i guess yeah. <laughs> now with that change we we will we, have to reevaluate in a couple of months and see how that changed things but um yeah kind of interesting yeah <laughs> yes okay thanks for mentioning that that's that's interesting to hear it's definitely one of those things where you know the common uh you know advice and it 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 makes absolute sense you know is um you know raise raise your prices uh low you know uh people you know customers with high price sensitivity on the lowest plans take up most of your customer support etc etc um that that makes complete and total sense i think where i'm feeling a bit of a struggle right now is and maybe I just need to hold on to that for a little bit more. Um, is just wanting to get the barrier down because it's it's new. You're, there's not like these you know brand logos on the thing with all these great testimonials. You know what I'm saying? That that would then justify you know forty nine dollars a month, sixty nine dollars a month, eighty nine dollars a month. Um, and so I think I just have this internal conflict of okay, well for now the trade off I have to make is getting more people in the door. Um, by lowering the bit their the barrier for them to you know feel like it that the value is there and they're willing to give it a, give it a try um, and it's interesting that that you all essentially like did that experiment and it didn't result in any additional or that not a material uptick of trials so yeah, I mean, this might be related to a lot of other stuff. I mean, we don't really know. But um, one thing you mentioned is like uh, support is higher, but we didn't notice that. Like surprisingly, support didn't really change. So um, okay. maybe we got lucky in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't know. Didn't have the desired effect. <laughs> <laughs> At least, right, right. The other the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is positioning. Um, so I want to go back and reread April Dunford's book. Obviously, awesome. I think it was probably the best business book I read last year. I'll have to say that. 
um, want to re-listen to the interview I did with her on bright and early. And I guess just try to think through how right now I am positioning headlamp against tiny pulse, know your team office vibe, uh, not quite lattice lattice HQ does all this other, like, um, you know, HR, uh, it's, it's geared more towards HR, the, the HR office. I have the vibe of anyway. Um, and I want to be talking specifically to managers about productivity and mental fitness and mental health. So though, what I'm trying to think about is, is there a way that I can position headlamp, not against, not as another, uh, you know, productivity app, um, or management tool, but as kind of like a higher, actually uh, as, as, as more of like an employee, you know, an employee engagement consultant, um, uh, that's automated, um, because, and then that's about as far as I have thought through that is if I was asking myself, okay, how can I, if right now I'm positioned as a $7 a you know, month per seat or a $49 per month SaaS for a manager, well, those same, the, the managers that I'm interested in are bringing in, you know, a $25,000 employee engagement consultant and going to, you know, um, uh, SHRM, SHRM conferences and RPI conferences and all of this sort of thing and investing a ton into engagement. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to position it in that way. So I'll I'll keep you posted if I have any <laughs> huge, uh, huge <laughs> insights after rereading April's book. Um, um we had a call with April uh, in in the like as a tiny seed mentor, and mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about like positioning user list against like our big competitors like Intercom and such. And um, I think the gist of the conversation was to well, basically not do that and uh, pos- okay. instead position it against like doing doing nothing or just like getting people who are just getting started. Um, yeah. because like, yeah. I mean, depends, probably depends a little bit on, on how mature those tools are that you are, are your competitors and stuff like that. But her advice was basically if people are already using a tool, the lock-in is probably pretty, pretty good. Hmm. And pretty high. if yep. they want to switch, you'd probably have to replace all of those features the other tool has. And that makes it super hard, especially early on. So yeah, I think what she said was like in the early stages, don't try to convince people to move over because that's super hard. Yeah. Because of yeah. like missing features and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, but okay. instead like go after people who are just entering, uh, just on the look, lookout for like new, a new tool to solve their problem. And maybe, maybe they d- even don't even know about the compet- competition there. Right. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. There's, um, there is, somebody who runs a company um, uh, that has been just extremely generous and gracious uh, with their time. Um, We've just been emailing over like the last six months about Headlamp. Um, And uh, just giving me all this like insight and advice and everything. They emailed me yesterday um, 
about it and we had this we had this back and forth but they were basically like look we're we're not a customer because we're locked into uh to know your team and we're on you know this legacy pricing plan where we just pay a hundred dollars per employee for a lifetime account um no, no your team doesn't do that anymore um he's like but we're locked into it and so like the, the price is amazing and we have all this stuff you know all we've been using it for years and so we've got all of our all of our stuff already in it if you were around at the time i think we'd be in your sweet spot and we would take a really close look um and so there's a lot of of what you're saying right now that resonates with that email which is basically this person who's a has been you know basically following along on this journey and is a, is a fan of the effort um, and a perfect target customer, I can't, I'm not going to win them. So the likelihood that either of us are, you know, in the early days going to, you know, have pretty good batting averages with people who don't know us from anyone and are already locked into another tool. That's, that's a pretty tough, <laughs> that's a tough one to, to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So I should be going after, yeah, definitely thinking about uh, brand new to remote managers had this thrown on them. Um, new managers themselves completely uh, in the dark on what sorts of questions to ask. How do you run an organized, structured one-on-one that's not a waste of your time or your employees' time? And how do you keep yourself from looking like a goofball in the meantime? Um, and, ha- and they haven't tried anything at all. And maybe maybe you goals? can also not yeah. entirely sure how that would work, but maybe you can t- uh, target people who are like because of COVID and this stuff like are new to like remote work in general. And mm-hmm. now like maybe in the past they just used to walk around the office and and look at people how they look. Do they feel like mm-hmm. do, do they look like mm-hmm. they're they're upset or? annoyed or whatever or are they smiling and stuff like that and they now cannot do this anymore and need something as a replacement for that maybe maybe you can put positioning it uh in in that regard yes yep yeah okay this is feeling good pretty helpful what um thanks man talking through all that uh, what, what else, any, anything else happening on the, uh, when you mentioned it briefly, you relaunched the whole website. That's pretty fantastic. Any, any other notes or, uh, pains or takeaways or wins from that whole effort? Sorry, I didn't quite get that question. <laughs> oh, so yeah, no, just from the, from relaunching the website. Um, anything else about that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it went all went pretty smooth to be honest, but I like over the last couple of weeks, I have the feeling that I can only work at one thing on one thing at a time. And that's not even like, not even like trying to multitask and like do two things at the same time, but like I can only do like one thing a day, more or less. Um, because like yeah. during the yeah. last week, I basically didn't answer any of my emails, didn't answer any support requests, mm-hmm. like nothing. <laughs> Just focused on getting this uh, this website done and deployed. Yeah. And so this week, the first thing I had to do was just like play catch up with uh, catch up. with everything else that was happening and that got 
got ignored over the last couple of weeks. So I don't know. I don't know what is this uh, recently, but um, having a hard time doing multiple things at once, basically. Yeah. Do you, uh, this is actually something that uh, in that Natalie Nagel and DHH conversation, just like the number of creative hours that you can fit into a day. Have you, did you, um, you ever experiment with like, eight to nine thirty is my time for email and that's the number of emails I get to. And then you sit down and program for the rest of the day or flip it around, vice versa. Do you ever mess around with any of that sort of structure? Or is it just not not helpful? Yeah, uh, I I tried that in the past. Um and sometimes it works, but just recently f- for some reason it doesn't like I don't know. Yeah. It maybe Maybe I'm too excited to work on the on the on the website <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, yeah. At some point last week, I the first like I got up and had an idea and basically went straight to the computer and mm-hmm. like implemented it and then got uh, got breakfast and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Because I was just like my mind was just too focused on on all of that stuff, and yeah. that made it hard to well switch it off and turn turn my attention to something else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Should be a little bit more careful about that, and uh, hopefully this week is a little bit. I mean, the pressure isn't that much on anymore. We're still working on on the website, but um, yeah, it's. I mean, the, the the important part is out there, and now we can like do all the all the new stuff we want to do with the website, like implementing the new documentation stuff and the knowledge base and stuff like that. And um, it feels like the the pressure isn't that that big one on that stuff because um yeah like we wanted to have the website out there also for for asia to to be able to um suggest like changes and be able to quickly add those things so it was like high priority to get this done and with the with the other stuff it's like if it takes a week longer than initially planned then it's probably not that big of a deal um Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, would we still be nice to get it get it done sooner what or are later? You, what are you uh, doing about the knowledge base um, and documentation and stuff? How are you gonna? Have you decided what your solution is there? Yeah, we're going to roll it into the website um, okay. and. Um, just make it a subdirectory onto on the website, and it looks like we will have like a little bit, like not use the same design as for the rest of the website, but like make a little bit more focused on just the documentation. Not probably mm-hmm. not have the, the standard top navigation and stuff like that. Have a big mm-hmm. search box in there instead, um, and yeah, just like roll into everything into there and uh, use the chance okay. to also restructure things a little bit. Okay. Um, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. It looks like it's going to work out. Um, figured out a way to get a full text search working on the static website, which is kind of exciting. That's pretty great. Um, and um, yeah, with all those parts in place, uh, it should make up for a good experience and hopefully also okay. make the the big Google happy and uh, <laughs> discover a little bit more content on our website. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we mentioned it. We talked about it last week. I was just curious if you had uh, if you had 
changed uh, changed your mind. How, how are you doing? How are you doing text search on your static site? What are you using? Uh, I found a tool called or a, a library called Lunar, like uh, inspired by Solar, the the, the big search uh, engine thingy. And the Lunar JS thing is like a simple JavaScript implementation. And um, the way it works, like in theory, it builds an index on the fly, but you can also pre-render that index. And I wrote a little plugin for our static search um, generator to basically take all the pages in a certain subdirectory, build an index from it, and then have the front end loaded index and search stuff. And it works relatively fast and uh, good. So I'm excited that it's uh, actually an option. <laughs> hey, y'all. So for some reason at this point in the conversation, our podcasting software just quit recording my side of things. So uh, no big deal. We were winding things down. Benedict had a couple of additional thoughts about uh, launching documentation and SEO, and then we'll sign off. Um, yeah, like, as I said, like finishing the website and then we have to continue on the uh, company, company accounts, uh, refactor or whatever you might call that. Um, that's still like the, the next big thing on the, on the roadmap, but, um, I just want to get the, the knowledge base stuff done first because the, I mean, it's SEO, so it takes a while to take have any meaningful effects or rather do it sooner than later um but yeah that's that's it all right thanks for listening to another week here of slow and steady we're keeping at it uh you can find show notes and things at slowandsteadypodcast.com you can find us on twitter slow steady pod got any thoughts on the episode uh always reach out it's fun to hear from y'all we'll see you next week